0: Welcome to Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. Today I'll have states starting to engage in civil disobedience, an answer as to whether Joe Biden should be impeached, and we'll talk about the French presidential election. Next, on Living with Liberty. Happens when the federal government fails to uphold the Constitution, and states take matters into their own hands. We are finding out. Texas has had enough of the sieve that is our southern border, and is now taking action to bring attention to the crisis. Texas is clogging the ports of entry into the state and country by conducting what they are called, uh, what they are calling, enhanced vehicle inspections. This is causing delays of up to four hours at some of the busiest ports of entry with Mexico, some of our, our largest uh, cross-border trading routes. The inspections aren't only limited to the ports of entry. They are also occurring on the state roads just past the ports of entry, backing traffic up into Mexico. The other action Texas is taking is to send willing and that'll be key in a minute here, willing illegal immigrants to Washington, D.C. So what is the purpose of these actions? First, and being honest, it's an election year for Abbott. He'd be stupid to not take advantage of the gift the Biden regime is handing him in trying to do what he can to stem the tide of illegals being released into Texas towns and cities. It gives him a leg up on challengers as he can point to having Texans' best interests in mind. Second, it will force the federal governments of both countries to do something. Mexico tends to ignore illegal immigration because of the expense and resources consumed to police illegals. But with the ports of entry being clogged, with delays stretching back into Mexico, commerce will slow, people who work in the border towns will be upset at the time the crossings take to get to work, there are many that live on the United States side of the border and, and go to work in the maquiladoras uh, on the other side of the border in, in these special industrial zones that are, are set up in, in Mexico. The Mexican government will be forced to do something about it as companies in those border towns have some sway politically. They are a, a big part of, of uh, the Mexican economy. If, if there's... Uh, trouble They've they've got a little sway with the Mexican government to, to get it taken care of. Sending the illegals to D.C. puts the problem right on Biden's doorstep and forces his administration's hand into acknowledging the problem and also doing something about it, forcing them to do something about it. There would be nothing better than having a bunch of illegal immigrants in front of all the treasonous snakes in Washington who have allowed this, who have allowed our border to be overrun, and have just done nothing but turned a blind eye to it because they are insulated in the Washington bubble. Of course, the regime's flack wants to throw it back to Texas on the illegality of them sending illegal immigrants to Washington, D.C., Here's what MSNBC's newest liar had to say. His own office admits that a migrant would need to voluntarily be transported and that he can't compel them to. Because, again, enforcement of our country's immigration laws lie with the federal government, not the state. That is true. A Supreme Court case in 2012, uh, and this was regarding Arizona's law at the time on, on um handling illegal immigration, upheld the federal government's jurisdiction and oversight when it comes to enforcing immigration laws. It says states cannot uh, or do not have the authority to enforce immigration laws, only the federal government does. But what this ruling doesn't take into account is what recourse states have when the federal government fails at its duty to protect our borders against invasion from illegal immigration. Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution states that the United States government shall protect each state against invasion. I take that to mean whether it be military or uh, like we're seeing with this mass migration. An invasion is an invasion. If the Mexican or Canadian army were at our borders looking to invade, if they were building up troops at our borders, would we mobilize and secure our borders? Absolutely we would. So why would it be any different for illegal immigrants overrunning our border? Why wouldn't we secure our border in that respect? Sure, they're not they're uh, doing a military operation. They're not looking to invade and, and overrun our government and our way of life. But it's still an invasion. It is still a mass movement of people coming into this country who do not have a shared culture with our country. I'm not saying we shouldn't allow immigration. I've said before, immigrants make this country richer. It gives us different perspective, done legally. Does the federal government's constitutional role in protecting our borders, our sovereignty as a nation not apply? Because we have a bunch of migrants at the border seeking asylum? Of course. That's not why they're letting our borders be overrun. It's because they need to import more voters who will vote the right way. They need people who are going to be on the hook for the favors they are showing them right now by allowing them into our country illegally. They're giving them court dates two and three years out. What do we think that's going to do? Do you, do, we, do we really think that these... Uh, illegal immigrants are gonna show up to that court date. The criminals sure aren't. There, there's no way. You might have some that are law abiding that are looking to do it the right way. Fine, but by and large, are are these people going to show up for their court dates? I doubt it. Now, I I would say you might look at it fifty-fifty, maybe. We're already seeing it as the cities are starting to let the non-citizens city vote. We're already seeing them uh, try and, and push this narrative of a one-world economy, a one-world government, a one-world country, right? We're seeing, I think, New York is one, New York City is one of the places that just passed something recently that said non-citizens could vote. It's only a matter of time before that crap spreads to the rest of the country if we the people don't stand against it. And more importantly, if our elected officials don't stand against it. That's why what Texas is doing is so vital. Is it the most legal thing in the world? Not according to the the Supreme Court case from 2012. They don't necessarily, it's been stated that that, um, states do not have the authority to enforce immigration law. They have to send the immigrants, illegal immigrants, to Washington, D.C. Uh, voluntarily. They have to ask them if they want to go or not. But what they're doing, what Texas is doing, is vital. Think of it as civil disobedience at the state level. The federal government is clearly, has, has a clear constitutional responsibility to protect us from invasion. And they are failing at that. And Texas is taking matters into its own hands. Much like when there are social issues uh, within our country, right? There think about the civil rights movement. There were laws against what blacks couldn't couldn't do. The people there engaging in civil disobedience were breaking the law, right? They were in violation of the law. When they were sitting in at the counters, when they weren't moving to the back of the bus, when they were doing, you know, their marches, they were in violation of the laws of those states in the South. Same thing here. But uh, let me back up a second. But it brought attention to the issues of the day. It got people talking. It said that this isn't right. We need to change. It needs to be fixed. It brought attention at the federal government level to say we need to do something different. And finally, LBJ had no choice but to pass and sign the Civil Rights Acts. It's the same thing here. Our government, our fail, our, our federal government, is failing to protect our rights as citizens. It's failing to protect the rights of those immigrants who came here legally, who went through the proper process. It's failing at that. So we need civil disobedience to bring attention to it and to to, to to drive change. We need them to keep doing this. Yes, they're breaking the law. It's going to go to the courts, but we need the states to do this. We need states, Texas, standing up and, and being You could call it the first, I guess, to to start doing something like this. I haven't heard of any of the other border states taking any action. I think the only other one that might, might do it would be Arizona at this point. But we need states that are going to stand up, that are going to uphold the Constitution, that are going to protect its citizens from invasion. The federal government's not doing it. We need states to engage in this civil disobedience, to draw the attention and to draw it into the courts where it can be litigated against the backdrop of the federal government's responsibility to uphold the Constitution. This is why elections are important. This is why vetting candidates appropriately is important. We need to understand, are the candidates we are electing constitutionalists or not? Do they believe in the Constitution, or do they believe in their ideology That's they'll just do whatever they want to do? States taking on a role of engaging in civil disobedience is the start of how we push the federal government back into its box. Okay, moving on from weakness on our border to weakness in foreign affairs. China is just biding its time before moving in on Taiwan. Uh, let's be real, that's where, that's where it's at. China's seen the debacle that was Afghanistan, the pullout there. They've seen how we've been reactive to Russia instead of proactive. They've seen we have had no will to actually deal with Russia to actually put Putin in his place. They see how Putin has just walked all over the Biden regime. China is just waiting for the Biden regime to trip up once again, and they will move in on Taiwan. What will that trip up be? I don't know. It, it could be they, the war hawks finally uh, get their way. We enter enter Ukraine, and we're left thin elsewhere, and and China moves in on Taiwan. That certainly could be one one possibility. Now, can we rely on the Biden administration to do anything but sanction China? In that event of, uh, of a, an invasion on their part of Taiwan, <laughs> let's be real, Biden isn't going to do anything to China if they invade Taiwan. It's going to be another one of those, here's some sanctions, we're going to sanction you, and those sanctions aren't going to work. Chi- I mean, China's economy is much, much bigger than Russia's. If the sanctions really didn't cause Putin to blink, what do you think sanctions are going to do to China? Uh, and, and you look at it like this. China's been buying up the world through their Belt and Road Initiative. They've got their fingers in European countries, African countries, the the countries between them and Europe, Russia, we know they're partnering with Russia. So even in the event of a Chinese invasion of Taiwan, would there even be an outcry from the global community that that had happened, that, that that China had invaded the sovereignty of a country, of a nation? I'd I'd say it's doubtful at this point. Not only does China own Biden, but they own a bunch of other countries as well. There's a bunch of other countries in hock to China because they gave them loads for this Belt and Road Initiative to develop their economies and China owns them at this point. So what are they gonna do? Nothing, they're not going to do anything. Taiwan is in the crosshairs of the next conflict I fear and China is just waiting for the right time to strike. When Republicans take both chambers in the fall, should Joe Biden be impeached? We all know about the hoaxes the Democrats put out there for the sham Trump impeachments. Should the GOP take the eye-for-an-eye approach, especially considering there's actually probable cause to impeach Biden? There's no need to pay consultants and foreign agents to create fake dossiers. Biden and Hunter have done that on their own. There's, there's plenty out there. There's been plenty dug up already. However, I don't think impeaching Biden is the simple answer or the answer we necessarily want in this case. It's very telling that the Democrats and their media sycophants are trying to now separate the Hunter biden dealings from joe they're they're trying to drive a wedge between that uh call it that relationship they're really trying to make it like it's two silos that here's hunter he did this all on his own joe had nothing to do with it there's reasons for that absolutely democrats see the writing on the wall they know they are in for an electoral route come november um so they, they've got to do everything they can now to, to try and mitigate that, to, to make it as, as, as less of a route as possible for them. They know that Joe has had his fingers in illicit deals that Hunter was the front man for. They know he's had his fingers in illicit deals and his brother was involved. No, Everybody knows that at this point. The media is doing all they can to create separation between Hunter's business dealings and Joe Biden so that they can uh, try and control the impeachment narrative when the time comes, if the time comes. The thing is, as much as people would like to see it, as much as it would need to happen from a moral and ethical standpoint, as much as it would be deserved, politically... Politically, does impeaching Joe Biden really make a lot of sense? Kamala's next up, and we all know her major accomplishments are limited to having an an affair with Willie Brown, acting tough on crime to to move up as the DA of of San Francisco, and somehow morphing from the first Indian-American senator to our first black female vice president. Uh, Not really a... Win, a winning combination of uh, accomplishments there that give you a great confidence that somebody is confident or competent for a job. There's high school interns who have more lifetime accomplishments than Kamala Harris. Would we really want to willingly turn the keys to the kingdom over to her? Uh, we've seen what a debacle the Biden administration's been. How much more would it be if it got turned over to Kamala, who can't even keep staffers because she's such a major pain in the ass to her her, uh, staffers that they just quit? The the turnover in her office has been amazing. Do we really want someone like that where nobody wants to work for her or, or it's constant turnover? I mean, I would say not. Sometimes the right answers are hard. Sometimes the right answers are hard to digest. Sometimes they don't give us the satisfaction that we want. The fact is we have never had top to bottom an administration that is so full of incompetent people. This is by far the worst presidential administration in the history of our country, bar none. Obama was better, Carter was better, whatever other incompetent administration we we generally rank as among the worst. They were better than the Biden administration. Now I know you're saying, Ryan, we have to have integrity, we have to do the right thing, and if the evidence is there to prosecute Biden through an impeachment, we need to do it. You know what? I don't disagree. If the evidence is overwhelming, Biden must be impeached, and we will have to suffer through a couple years of and Kamala. Fine, it would be what it is at that point. The GOP should have the House and Senate and be able to stymie the radical agenda crap that uh, you know the, the socialist regime has brought in. We can hold the fort for a couple years, provided we take you know both chambers of, of uh, Congress. But and and here's where it gets interesting here's where we need to have the tough conversations and ask the tough questions and we need to be real with what it would be an impeachment would be a distraction and in my mind it would take away from more pressing issues those issues being our border the integrity of our elections getting back to energy independence and most importantly getting control of the rampant inflation no matter what they say it, We're in it for the long haul here with the inflation. Until the government stops spending money we don't have, inflation will continue. Until the Fed pulls its head out of its arse and does something drastic with the the interest rates, inflation will continue, period. An impeachment would be a distraction from laying the groundwork for 2024 when the GOP would likely then control both houses and the executive branch and hopefully start to undo the four years of the Biden disaster. They should be planning for that now. I, to me, I look at it, and impeachment just distracts from that, that work. Again, would it be the right thing to do? The evidence is there? Yes. How long, do we have to, how long are we digging through that evidence and, and, and pushing that through, though? Uh, Those are the things we've got to keep in mind. So we we keep in mind these other couple things here. You think about the first Trump impeachment. It took Democrats almost three years to bring their sham investigation and trials to an impeachment vote. By the time Republicans take office in the Senate and House, there will be two years left. Now, is there enough evidence collected already where we could do uh, an impeachment quickly? Sure, uh, possibly. But the, the last I saw, they were still trying to get answers out of the FBI on Hunter's um, hard drive. Uh, hopefully many of you have seen the Matt Gates uh, video of that. And, and the, uh, the FBI, um, <laughs> the guy from the cyber unit at, at uh, the FBI who just sat there and played dumb. Give me a break. Yeah, I get it. You know, plead the fifth, whatever, but you sit there and play dumb in front of the uh, a Senate committee or a House committee. We all know. Let, let's just get it out there. But it, it's dragged the feet. It's dragged the feet until we have time enough to separate this, separate Hunter from Joe in this whole cesspool of underhanded dealings. And, it, you know, that way we have there's plausible deniability then. By the time Republicans take office in the Senate and House, there will be two years left, like I said. Is that enough time for an investigation to, to be completed and bring forth a, um, bring forth a, uh, an impeachment proceeding? I don't know. Another thing to consider, it takes 67 votes in the Senate to convict on an impeachment, so it takes two-thirds. That's a tall order in today's hyper-partisan environment. Consider that it would take a Republican sweep of the senators up for election this year just to get to 64. There's 14 Democrat Senate seats open um, uh, this year. In the unlikely event Republicans swept all of those and kept the ones they have, that just gets them to 64. That leaves three more Democrat senators to sway to get to 67. And considering it looks like there's only two Democrat senators Right now, that have any moral compass left, I wouldn't be hopeful of getting to 67. These things, it's just vote on party line, vote on party line, especially when it comes to stuff like this, especially when it's just no matter how absurd it is, let's just vote on party line and, and, and be done with it, right? And that's, that's, that's what I would fear would happen here. Now, could we, the people, put enough pressure on our elected officials such that they would actually listen and convict on an impeachment? Sure, especially coming on the heels of what is expected to be a historic route electorally. The Dems may be a little more politically sensitive to the will of the people in that regard in order to avoid a repeat in 2024 in the House and Senate. I would say it's already likely that, I know we're two years plus away, it's, I would call it likely at this point barring some Major miracle and turnaround. They don't hold on to the presidency uh, either. But, you know, like I said, two years out, we'll see what happens there. Could that happen? Could we, the people, put enough pressure on our Democrat senators to vote uh, for an impeachment? Uh, sure. I, I wouldn't say it would be likely, though. It's, we're too hyper-partisan at this point in time. Today's Democrat Party is consumed by its radical fringe that controls the ideology of the party and, unfortunately, the direction of the party. That, that fringe has caused the Democrat Party to ignore everybody. And I don't see that changing much between this year's elections and 2024. They seem like they're pretty dense, and they're not going to look at things objectively and, and say, well, okay, what was the problem probably the way we called everybody racist and tried to sexualize kids and indoctrinate kids and, and mess with people's livelihoods and rampant inflation. They, they're, they're so dense. They, they think there's nothing that they're doing that's wrong. It's the rest of us that I don't think they'd get it even after a historical route that, uh, electoral route that looks to be on tap for this year. That radical fringe does not learn easily they will probably need to feel the pain for a couple of cycles before they make the shift back towards the middle. They are going to need to feel the pain of being thrown out of power. They're going to need to feel the pain of reduced campaign donations. They're going to need to feel the pain. Their business partners are going to need to feel the pain of reduced profits because people are sick of them, sick of being uh, and, and attempted to be indoctrinated, sick of the ideology being pushed on them. Looking at you, Disney, among others. Haven't heard too much from Coke recently. Wonder why that is. This, th- th- these fringe ideas are, are not going to go away easily. They're not going to learn their lesson The only way the lesson's learned is if you throw the ideologues out and and we elect new people in, elect sane people in. Now, as I said, an, an impeachment may not be the best route to go, given all these factors I've laid out here. It might not be the best way to go. Even though, unlike the Trump sham impeachments, there would be reasonable cause for it to happen. There's plenty of reason out there to impeach Biden. Uh, there's enough doubt out there where um, you can make a case to bring articles of impeachment against him. But we have to look at it from the lens of what will be accomplished by doing so. What will happen if we take undertake an, an impeachment? If the evidence is overwhelming and that anyone voting against impeachment would look foolish for doing so, then yeah, go ahead and do it. Get it over. Done. Quick. If there's no questions, if there's no plausible deniability, if there's no uh, thought in someone's mind that, well, he could have been innocent, then yeah, do it. But if the investigation is just going to drag on, if it is going to detract from the work of securing our borders, getting us back to energy independence and curbing inflation and getting the, just the, the indoctrinating curriculum out of our schools, then the GOP will really need to think twice about doing it, especially if the votes aren't going to be there to convict because there's some sort of plausible deniability on the part of Joe in regards to his dealings with Hunter. Or because of the hyper-partisanship that there's just a, a, a little sliver, a little crack in the door that, that you know, the Democrats can get their fingers in and, and say, well, I voted no because of this. I voted no on the impeachment because of this. You really have to look at those things. The GOP needs to keep on with the investigations, no doubt. Keep exposing the corruption and the treasonous and traitorous imbeciles in our government and, Biden and Hillary, but, uh, well, Hillary's not in our government, but there's plenty of other snakes in our government that need to be exposed. But when it comes to impeachment, it's going to need to be swift. Like I said, it took Democrats almost three years to bring the first, first round of uh, impeachment proceedings against Trump in the dog and pony show that, got, uh, that was constant for that entire time in terms of the sham investigations and everything else. It's going to need to leave no doubt in terms of guilt in order to move ahead with it. I'm, you know, I'm sorry, but that, as I see it, that's the way I see it. I, I want justice as much as everybody else. I want justice done. But at the same time, it's, with these things, you've got to ask, can we get justice done? Is, is there going to be two-thirds of, a, of, of the Senate that's going to vote to convict? It's just a simple majority to, to send it over to the Senate in the House. The question is, can we get two-thirds of the senators to convict? We as Americans have a high sense of justice. We always want to see that justice done. We want to see the right thing done. Yes, if Joe Biden, if it's uncovered that he's had his fingers in all these Hunter dealings, yeah, absolutely, it should be done. But we, we got to be careful and not use it as a political weapon like the Democrats did. It just becomes a distraction at that point. It just dis- distracts from the core mission of getting our country back on track. Now, in this instance, and I'm looking at the situation from a few different angles, you can see both sides. Right? From a, from a, a justice standpoint, yes, it, 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 the uh, reasonable... Uh, there's a reasonable um, uh, premonition here of guilt of underhanded dealings that should be further investigated and brought to light. I, th- I think we have a um, reasonable uh, trail of, of evidence that, that points us in that direction. But also from a political side, can you, can you honestly say that it would be the best Thing for our country to undertake that if, if there's any sort of reasonable doubt, if there's any sort of we're not going to be able to get a conviction. You have to. I, I think we have to look at that. And we look at those different angles, and, and we look at the fact that crooked Hillary is still roaming the earth. This may be another instance where we don't see the justice we want and actually deserve. That then just needs to become fuel for the fire to ensure we are fighting for our country and ensuring that the Democrats don't sniff any sort of power for a long, long time. Okay, finishing up today. France's presidential race is shaping up to be pretty interesting, and it seems the issues are mirroring what we have in our own country. Marine Le Pen is thought to have her best shot yet at claiming the presidency. Is it likely she will? I don't know. I'm going to guess that it isn't, looking at some of the numbers and, and looking at the history, uh, a little bit of the history anyway, of French politics. I don't, I don't know that it's likely she'll pro, um, that, that she'll claim victory here. I don't know how ready France is for a return to nationalist ideas. I don't know how ready France is for uh, more... Uh, She's portraying herself more as a centrist this time around than than previous runs. So going on that, more centrist ideas, still right, still right leaning definitely, but maybe not as as far right as she's run in the past. France may need another Macron term of their borders being invaded and high taxes and uh, you know whatever else comes with kind of some of the the things from the left before they come back towards the middle. Does Le Pen have things about her that are concerning? Yes, absolutely, I think so. Even from me looking at the outside and someone that thinks that um, you know nationalism isn't a bad thing, there's a distinct difference. I am for being uh, proud of your national, uh, having national pride. Doesn't mean that I'm isolationist. I think there's advantages to having those ties to other countries and helping other countries out and having allies. But first and foremost, you got to take care of your own people. It's the old um, airline rule, right? What do they tell you on the airlines, put your mask on before you help somebody else. We have to do the same thing when it comes to our countries. We have to take care of our own people first before we go helping other countries. You don't take care of at home. It, it just becomes a bigger mess when you're trying to help somebody else out. So are there things about Marine Le Pen that are concerning? Yes, I think so. And chief among them is her admiration for Vladimir Putin. Like I said, I think she's come back more to the middle. I think she's been a far-right candidate in the past. I think she's come back more towards the middle and run uh, running a, a more centrist campaign, more moderate campaign, relatively speaking. But I think if I look at her candidacy holistically and look at what she's bringing to the table, would it be bad for France overall if she were to win? I don't think it would be, just like it wasn't bad when Trump won here. There's a trend the world over moving us back towards nationalism. And that, and nationalism, that word, has to quit being a dirty word. There's nothing wrong with being nationalistic, being proud, of the history and the culture of your country. that's To me, that's what nationalism is. Taking care of your country first. There's nothing wrong with that. It provides security. It provides stability. It provides a platform for then helping other countries because you've taken care of the home front. Now let's do a comparison of the uh, European Union, of which France is a part of, and the U.S. for a moment. And why there's such a... the struggle I guess in in Europe and why it's you don't have like the European states right so the Euro, the U.S. we have a shared history among the states sure we have our regional differences we have differences state by state culturally and and some of the history there but when push comes to shove we have a national identity that binds us together we're all one we will eventually move forward as one We don't say, um, you know, I'm from Wisconsin, so we don't, like if I was introducing myself to someone from another country, I wouldn't say, well, I'm from Wisconsin. I'd say I'm from the United States. We have a shared culture and a shared pride in our country and in our history and in what we've accomplished as a country, no matter what state we may be from. The UN, on the other hand, or the EU, sorry, the EU, on the other hand, is... It's an economic block of independent countries. And that it's really the globalists are trying to pull this economic block of independent countries together uh, as one as they lurch towards their Great Reset. There's not much in the way of shared history among the countries in the EU. Germany's history is different from France's. The languages are different. Yeah, they speak English across the continent, but... The home languages are different. Like I said, there, there's not a much in the way of shared history outside of the, some world wars and and maybe some of the other. You go back far enough, some of the uh, crusades and and conquests at you know of the different people across the continent over its history. But it's not like the United States, where the whole European Union fought. For something as as one cohesive unit, I mean, they're an economic block. It hasn't really much hasn't really progressed much from that. The customs and cultures are different of each country, even still, even though they're the European Union, each country holds on to its own customs and and its own culture, makes it hard to meld into one, uh, you know, one cohesive unit, one cohesive country, right? If you're not willing. To kind of put those aside, you, you hold on to them a certain, to a certain extent. I mean, we all do here, right? Uh, in the U.S., we sub- celebrate different customs and cultures here. We have like Italian Fest and German Fest around my area here and, and some of those uh, types of uh, things. I think we have like an um, Indian Fest or something like that. I mean, so all over the world. So we put, it, we put that aside, we celebrate them, but we don't use it as a national identity. The European countries aren't to that point. It's, each country holds on f- to its own customs and cultures, which it should. It's, an own, it's, 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 it's a sovereign nation of its, of its own being, right? Each country should be looking out for and protecting what makes it unique. Now the model is out there in Europe with Poland and Hungary on what putting your people and the country first can look like in terms of success. Now, the interesting thing here is the article I pulled. Uh, I'll I'll link it in the description box. It's from Politico, and I pulled it from there for a reason. And it's, it's so you can see the globalist bent the media has in regards to coverage of things like nationalism. The article shoots down Le Pen, and here's an actual statement from the article. It says this, If she does succeed in overhauling Macron in the second round, she would also inflict potentially fatal harm on the functioning of the European Union. How can one country do that? That's a that's a little bit uh, hyperbolic. There, the European Union is is made up of I don't remember at this point thirty some countries, something like that. One one country pulls out, she's going to and if that's going to inflict fatal harm on the functioning of the European Union. Now, Great Britain, I think, was the biggest, if not one of the biggest economies. That was part of the European Union, and they pulled out, and the European Union's still there. So I fail to see here how how France pulling out or Le Pen winning the presidency in France would inflict fatal harm on the functioning of the European Union. I, I just I don't see it. I don't see it at all. Here's what is really going on. Marine Le Pen represents the upsetting of the globalist plan. She's, she represents the upsetting of their plan for a one world government where there's no borders, there's a, a select elite that rules us all, and throws the, their, their, their whole idea throws it all for a loop. The, the the globalists can't have people thinking independently. They can't have independent countries because independent countries that are hold on to their national pride and, and their culture won't assimilate into into a a, a call it one global world country. They they just won't. Le Pen and her ideas represent an upsetting of that plan. She represents free-thinking people. She, in essence, is the Trump of France. Now, does she go a little far in her stance on NATO, wanting to pull out of the alliance's integrated command structure? Maybe for some. Maybe that does. But I have advocated we pull out of these types of world bodies and alliances as well and form more bilateral agreements, form more, uh, you know, alliances that way. Because these you get too many of these world bodies together and in, in countries, nothing gets done. They don't move quickly. They don't... You become beholden to what that group wants, what they think the, the good is for them, but not and you lose your, your whole national identity. You lose your culture. That's why I, I have no use for these world bodies. I don't, NATO, great, you know, protects Europe. Form bilateral agreements. We, we don't need a whole body like this. We don't need uh, the World Health Organization. We don't need the UN. Those things, all they do, all their purpose is, is to erode our national, our, our national pride and our, uh, the sovereignty of each country on this planet. That's their purpose. So, no, I don't think she goes. Some might think she goes too far in it. I don't. That, that's one of the other things that they, they mentioned uh, in the article uh, as to what, uh, what the problem with Marine Le Pen would be, so to speak. She says this. She says some of these wars are not our wars to fight, and we shouldn't be pulled into them. I I, I can't disagree with that. How many wars have we seen that we've been pulled into uh, that we we have no business being in? You know what? And that that goes for our allies as well. There there's uh, wars that our con- that countries should not be pulled into. That there's uh, you know what. Ukraine's a perfect example. It's not not our ground fight. Should we help these countries? Sure, it's a sovereign nation that got invaded, but at the end of the day, it's not our ground fight. That's what Marine Le Pen saying here. A lot of these aren't our ground fight. There's a European Union. Why do we need NATO? If the the goal is to make the European Union like the United States, why do we need NATO? Why does the United States need to be part of NATO then? We don't. And think about this, too. Does NATO really provide the deterrence factor it was set up to be? I don't know. I don't think so. Has it kept Russia at bay? Maybe. I can't answer that. And I don't know that we do get an answer to that because Russia has been so incapable in Ukraine, it doesn't seem like the NATO deterrence factor will be tested at all. I could have seen them marching across Ukraine and then into Poland, like I said before, trying to put the Soviet Union band back together. They've been so incapable and incompetent in Ukraine that I don't think that the NATO deterrence factor will be tested at all. Le Pen's plans to drop contributions to the EU and promote a coalition with Poland and Hungary doesn't seem like a bad idea either. Now, the globalists think so because Poland and Hungary are led by free-thinking conservatives who value things like the family, who value things like national sovereignty, who value things like turning illegal immigrants back at the border and sending them back where they came from. That doesn't seem like a bad idea to align yourself with them. I ask it like this, too, then, in that regard. What is France getting on its investment in the EU? It must not be good enough if Le Pen is advocating for dropping the funding to them. If something is working, you generally stick with it, you'd be stupid not to. If the EU was actually working for France, that, that wouldn't be an issue. So hearing that and looking at that, it's... Uh, it leads me to conclude that the EU must not be working out for France as planned. So Le Pen is advocating for a change there. Let's hold back funds from them. Not a not a bad thing, right? Inflict real material loss. The EU isn't doing much in the way of of um, helping advance French interests. Let's hold money back. I don't I don't have a problem with that either. Uh, you look at this too in, in Brexit. England didn't just pull out of the EU for no reason. It didn't seem to be working for them either. They kind of had uh, maybe a better deal with it because they kept one foot in and one foot out. I mean, they, they never went to the euro. They kept the pound. I believe France is on the euro. So it might be a little trickier there for them to, to fully pull out, but they could do things like not fund the EU, not fund the government. And then there's this, and under Macron, there's been an influx of 2 million immigrants into France. 2 million replacement workers who undoubtedly work for less than the French people do. 2 million people who will vote for Macron. You see the parallels here now. And you see why there's a rise in nationalism. You see why uh, Marine Le Pen has her best shot in what I believe is her third go-round at the presidency. It'll be interesting to see what will happen in France in two weeks when the elections take place. Will the French people have had enough and make a change to someone who is seemingly ready to represent their interests, to protect them as a sovereign nation, or will they stick with a globalist who will continue to let their sovereignty erode, pushing France to stay firmly entrenched in the globalist swamp? We shall see in a couple of weeks if this national trust, uh, national trend, nationalist trend continues to spread globally. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for listening. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. While on my website, shop my store, Living With Liberty Outfitters. Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you shared, subscribed, and left a positive review of the show, should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show and website with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. My website is livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Also, let's connect! follow me on Parler. My handle is at livingwithliberty. You can also email me. The address is ryan at com. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.